Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Fantastic. Hey, it's so great to actually be here with you this morning. And thank you, Chich and uh, Melissa, for having me. 25 years. Gosh, we were a lot younger back then, weren't we? I turned up 50 this year. So um, I have no problem in getting older. I just don't want to get old. Um, so I think, um, yeah, 25 years. And you know, if anybody... Um, Next in the dictionary, if you look near in, in the, if you look up uh, faithful and consistent, you'll see a picture of Chich and Melissa. Um, faithful, consistent, just all the way, loving Jesus, loved people. Um, I just love you guys. Thank you so much. It's always great when we get together. Looking forward to hanging out, having lunch uh, later this afternoon. Great to see the dance ones. Hey, uh, so good to see you guys. Hey, can I just get straight into it this morning? Is, is, is that okay? Let's just pray before we come around the Word. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord God, for your Word. I thank you, Lord God, that the grass fades, the flower fades, the grass withers, but the Word of the Lord shall stand forever. I pray, Lord God, that you would make my tongue like the pen of a ready writer, ready to speak and articulate your Word with faith, hope, and optimism. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 In 1 Corinthians... 15 uh, verse 10, it says this, but whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor on me and not without results. For I have worked harder than any of the other apostles. Yet it was not I, but God who was working through me by his grace. Then in 1 Corinthians um, 10, 15, I love the NIV version, it says this, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. I am what I am by the grace of God. Not by my parents' disposition, not by the cake mix of my parents' genetics, not by my past pain or problems or um, past, but I am what I am by the grace of God. Yeah. Can I give you a little bit of a background into who I am and what I do? Is, is, that, is yeah. that okay? I'll just take uh, 60 seconds. Uh, back in the day when I was in high school, I was a state champion sprinter. I qualified for the World Juniors and pretty much had my sights set up on the up-and-coming Commonwealth Games and Olympic teams. But uh, towards the end of high school, towards the end of my year 12, uh, I got hit. Uh, with an incurable disease uh, called ulcerative colitis, which is a very similar Crohn's disease. Uh, the doctors put me on a disability pension and told me to be able to work again, uh, let alone run. So I lived like that, shut up at home uh, for five years. Uh, I weighed a measly 55 kilos. I was taking 16 tablets a day, and I was suffering with pain 24-7. And i got to tell you, I kind of spiraled into this place where I was like borderline depression, why? Because not too many people tell you what to do when your dreams actually don't come true. <laughs> so I lived like this, shut up at home for five years. And then at 22, I was just flicking through the Bible and I came across this verse, very familiar verse. It's Jeremiah 29 verse 11. Yeah. And it says this, For I know the plans I have for you. Plans for good, not for evil. Plans to give you a future and a hope. That word so resonated in my heart and my spirit that I took the $2 that I had that was left over from the disability pension that week 
uh, Dalton uh, Youth Centre in Redcliffe, um, raised money through government grants and business sponsorship, uh, one Young Australian of the Year in 1998 uh, for Queensland Community Service, and then schools, companies, uh, sporting teams started asking me to come in and share my story. I'm at a point in my life where I gotta tell you honestly, I feel like I'm living my dream. Uh, in terms of high schools, I now get to speak in around about 300 high schools around the world um, every year, averaging about 150 flights to about 100,000 teenagers. A lot of the big boys' schools, big GPS schools in Sydney, get me in a special walk with their first 15 uh, rugby teams, coach on mental toughness and discipline. I had a school in Melbourne fly me down for one hour just to work with eight of their rowers before a major regatta that had coming up. All the athletic squads, our swimming squads, our prefect committees, our leadership groups, our gridiron teams in America, rugby academies in New Zealand, equestrian teams in Victoria, our the National Rugby League, the NRL, uh, they've hired me in to come work with all 16 of their teams based on one of my books uh, called Men of Honour, trying to change culture in the next five years. At this point in my life, I've got to say honestly, I feel like I'm living my dream. If you go back to when I was 22, well, when I was 22, I actually weighed 55 kilos. I was taking 16 tablets a day, and I was suffering with pain 24-7. But I am what I am, by the grace of God. Flow is the technical term that psychologists like to use to call being in the zone. Runners would call it runner's high where they get to this point where they pass their second wind and they feel like they could just go on forever, like in this rhythm. Our basketballers call it being unconscious, where every basket is just all net. They don't see the, um, the hoop like a keyhole. To them, it's like a swimming pool. Um, comedians call it the forever box, where they're at one with the audience and they feel like they're on a roll. They feel like they could just go on forever. Musicians call it being in the pocket, where they're just on a roll, and they're just jamming, and they feel like it could just go on forever. All of us, that flow is ubiquitous. Every single person in this room has experienced flow at some time. Flow happens when time dilates, which is just a way of saying that it passes strangely. For instance, have you ever been so engrossed in a creative task we were designing something, or painting, or coding even, and he felt like 15 minutes had gone by on the clock, but actually like three hours. Yeah. You just got lost in the moment, plunged into the deep now, wrapped attention, complete absorption. You forgot about your phone. <laughs> Do more stuff that makes you forget about your phone. <laughs> Surfers talk about being in a wave, and the wave went for like seven seconds, but it felt like 15 minutes. They were literally at one with the wave. That's true. Rugby players talk about how they're on the field, they're paying total attention to the next play, they don't even notice the crowd or anything else, and it feels like everything's in slow motion. We've all experienced flow um, at some time. And when you're in flow, that is where you feel your best and you perform your best. It's about being on point or on a, on a roll. Um, Kathy Freeman describes it like this. Running is where I find true peace. And there are, that is where I feel so completely free and so completely happy. 
It is a beautiful feeling. It is almost like falling into a slipstream that leads you straight to heaven. For me, it has always been a spiritual experience. This is where the singer becomes the song. The dancer becomes the dance. They're in this place of flow. And when you're in flow, um, it massively accelerates human performance. It's like your sweet spot. A Harvard professor described it like this. Flow naturally catapults you into a level you're not naturally in. It naturally transforms a weakling into a muscle man, a sketcher into an artist, a dancer into a ballerina, a plotter into a sprinter, an ordinary person into someone extraordinary. Everything you do, do, you do better in flow. From baking a cake to planning a vacation to solving a differential equation to writing a business plan or playing tennis. Flow is a doorway to the more we seek. In flow, you'll find in manageable doses all the more that you need. Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, who was the founder of Flow, he was actually studying play, but play was not a robust enough statement for him to gain funding, so he changed it to Flow. He said this, when you're in Flow, you know that what you need to do need to do is possible to do, even though difficult. And a sense of time disappears. You forget yourself. You feel like you're part of something bigger. It is like God working through you by his grace. First Samuel. Can I just get into this? That was the appetizer. Can we just get into this now? Right? First Samuel 30. Um, I'm going to go from verse 3. I don't know if we got that up. It, it says this. Ready? So David and his men came to the city. And there it was burned with fire. This is a dark moment. This is a moment of great despair. I love the Bible. I love the narratives that it paints. Because even though this was written thousands of years ago, its its teachings, its insight is just as necessary today. Yeah. It, um, the city was burned with fire. Their wives, their sons, and their daughters have been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep, hopeless and full of despair. And David's wives, and Ananan, and the Jezreelite, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed for the people um, had been taken captive and they sp- the people also spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. Now listen, I do not know what it's like to feel like you've lost your family, but I do know what it's like to feel like you're losing your business during a pandemic. And I do know what it feels like to feel like you're losing your home because of a pandemic. And if you live live long enough, you know what it feels like to experience loss. 
but this is what I love. In the next verse it says, Despite all of this, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abinathi, the priest, Amalek's son, Please bring me the ephod here to me. And Abinathi brought the ephod to David. To David inquired, everyone say inquired, inquired. of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? And shall I overtake them? Two questions. And the Lord answered him and said, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail, recover all. To find your flow and to live with divine purpose is to know God's will and to do it. Wouldn't it be wonderful to live with this kind of purpose? To know without a shadow of a doubt that the fight or the challenge that you're about to enter will be the fight or the challenge you will win. To live with that kind of knowing would be mind-boggling. The problem is that we get so busy and so distracted with our own agenda that we don't understand God's agenda. God, I'm sorry, I know this might bust a bubble, but God is not in your life to help you pursue your vision. Very good. He is in your life to help you fulfill his vision. His vision is to establish the kingdom of God on this planet. So the question we need to be asking ourselves as you're approaching Vision Sunday is how can can I bring God's presence into the marketplace, into my school, or into my home? In Jeremiah, it says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you and sanctified you and ordained you to be a prophet for the nations. You are ordained to work to do God's work. And if you do God's work, it's guaranteed to succeed. So out of this text, I'm going to give you four guideposts. If you're taking notes, I encourage you to do that. On your phone, a piece of paper, uh, a sharp instrument, if you want to scratch it in someone's arm, whatever you want to do, grab something, okay? Just jokes. Um, Number one, ready? Number one is this. You want to remember these four guideposts from this text. Number one is identify your pain. Identify your pain. David and all the people wept. This was a moment of sorrow and of pain, yet within the sorrow and pain and the suffering, there was a purpose. Listen, fish are beautiful, aren't they? Which is why so many people have fish tanks in their home. They're beautiful to watch. They're fluid, they're graceful, they're vibrant, they're curious, and they're alive. I love watching fish. But... If I netted one of those fish and lay it on the grass, fresh grass, clean grass, the the fish would become frustrated, (laughs) their eyes fixed, (laughs) gasping for air. And no matter, I'm telling you, and I'm a motivational speaker, no matter how much I tried to motivate and encourage that fish to stay on that grass, or trying to encourage that fish that was nice and soft and clean, it would just, and if you could just try it out for a while, it couldn't survive. They could not adjust. Why? Because this fish has been created for the water. 
and once back there, it would effortlessly swim again. A fish would die if we did not honour the reality of its nature. And you will flounder if you do if you dishonor or ignore your nature and your strengths. I was in Perth a little while ago, and this young girl emails me, and she says, she says, um, Glenn, um, I'm, I'm a dancer, but oh, I used to be a dancer, but my dance teacher um, left. Um, and so when she left, all of my friends dropped out of dance, and because they dropped out, I decided I was going to drop out as well. But she said in the email, she said, but that's when the depression started for me. So you know what I did after your seminar? So I went and grabbed my jazz shoes out from under my bed. I dusted them off. I joined the first open jazz class I could. And she said, it took about three weeks. All the depression, all the anxiety started to leave. When you're not operating your gift, you'll start to flounder rather than flourish. You need to be able to identify uh, your gift. Now, listen, and sometimes identifying your gift is actually through your pain. Yes. Some people feel like they're fish out of water, and your prolonged dissatisfaction could be telling you or letting you know that you're created for more. And just like these fish, you feel like you're dying on the inside. Listen, we have been taught all our lives that to believe that dissatisfaction is a bad thing, that we should do everything we can possible to avoid it. We should shove it down, ignore it, act like it doesn't bother us. Plaster on a smile. Buy something new and shiny to take the pain away. But your frustration could be telling you to move on. You know, back in the 60s, you know what the phrase wasn't the 60s? It was, if it feels good, do it. That's not great advice <laughs> for anybody. It feels really good to eat a whole, pe- a whole chocolate cake <laughs> in the moment. Okay, I'm, I'm, listen, I'm a little bit embarrassed by this, but I think this might help somebody. A few Christmases ago, I actually ate a whole tub of connoisseur chocolate ice cream all by myself in one sitting. And can I tell you honestly, I, I didn't feel sick while I was eating it. <laughs> but, that about, but about half an hour later... <laughs> Some some of us don't feel sick while we're scrolling. Come on. But about half an hour later, they're comparing. Yeah. It's like these toxic emotions, right? So if it feels good, do it, right? It feels good to have a Netflix binge, right? But in the moment. Yeah. But you know what today's mantra is? Today's mantra is if if it feels bad, make it stop. But in order to fulfill your purpose, in order to grow as a person, you need to experience some challenging things. Yeah. That's what makes us grow. For instance, you know when you're working out in the gym, can you please tell me, on what rep do you think your muscle will grow the most? Would it grow the most on rep one? Or would it grow the most on, let's say, rep 10? Anyone? Well, it's actually 11. <laughs> you know when you can't go any further? You know you feel like you've reached a point where you just can't go the point of failure, that's when your muscle grows the most. So it's in our pain, right? Now, or sometimes your pain could be leading you to your purpose. We need to develop some level of emotional understanding. For instance, um, sometimes the frustration you're in right now um, or the anger you're feeling right now, you've got to ask yourself, where does this originate from? Mm -hmm. My wife, Belinda, she likes it when things are organized. It frustrates her when there is disorder. 
sitting next to her at a conference or in a church service, you'll get a running commentary on what is going wrong in terms of segue and timing and sequence and flow. Even just last Sunday in church, she turns to me and says, why the screen changes so slow? I didn't even notice. But she notices these things. You know, if you see a problem, maybe you're probably the solution. I'm on you. Because other people don't see what you see. But you are how you are by the grace of God. Yes. You know an inventor, a creator, a designer, an architect? You know when they invent something? We just say that when they invent that thing, they invent that thing for a purpose. In the paperclip, think about this. Was the paperclip actually designed with purpose in mind? Yes. Clearly, right? The, The chair that you're sitting on. Was that chair actually designed with intent and purpose in mind, right? Follow this logic then, ready? Therefore, everything in this room is created for a purpose, yes? Yeah. Therefore, if, if the paperclip has a purpose, and if the chair has a purpose, then it will be an insult to me to say that my life doesn't have a purpose. Yeah. Yeah. And guess what? If my life's got a purpose, then so is yours. Yeah. Your mission, your task, your odyssey through this life is to actually work out what that purpose is. Oh, yeah. great. Be able to identify, sometimes the key to your purpose is by able to identify your pain. You, you know what I think, I mean, I, I speak to young people nearly every single day. You know what I think is really, really dumb advice to give to young people? is it, to tell them to chase their dreams. Don't chase your dream. We're going to tell them to chase their strengths. If you're 4'11 and dream about being an NBA star, <laughs> stop chasing your dreams and start chasing your strengths. Come on, man. Does that make sense? Yeah, we're, giving, we're trying to paint these false realities. <clears throat> but this is not what the Bible... God has created you with a divine purpose. Yeah. And if you are engaged in that purpose, you will win. Yes. Yeah. Purpose requires you to have a proper perception of you. The course and the quality of your life is not just determined by how you see God, but also how you see yourself. Um, and i got to tell you this. You know, David experienced a very difficult situation. It, it, it was hard, right? But I, and I know this might come as a shock to some people, but can I tell you, honestly, life is going to be hard. Yeah. Whether you pursue your dream or whether you don't, it's going to be hard. Yeah. So since it's going to be hard anyway, either way, why don't you spend your life pursuing something that lights you up? Very good. The first book in the Bible, what was that? Sorry, the first book written in the Bible is Job, right? Think about this. So right from the start, the first thing God wants to communicate to us is life is going to be hard. There is pain in life, and yet the answer to that pain or the cure to that pain, it, God does not give by some explanation. But you know what God offers? Is he offers himself to this pain. Himself, not steps, not a formula, not an understanding, not a philosophy, but he offers himself. Key number two is this, ready? Silence your inner critic. Key number two, silence your inner critic. You know what David did? David encouraged himself in the Lord. He silences in the critic. You know your words are like seeds? And when you speak something, you give life to what you're saying. If you're continually saying, uh, whatever you continually say will become a reality. Your life will always move in the direction of your words. 
Proverbs 18 talks about we will eat the fruit of our words. So when you talk, you're actually planting seeds. And at some point, you're going to eat the fruit of those seeds. So make sure you're planting the right kind of seeds. If I want apples, I need to sow apple seeds. If I want strawberries, I need to sow strawberry seeds. You cannot talk negative and expect a positive life. Proverbs 6 verse 2 says we are snared by the words of our mouth. The word snared means trapped. Um, We're tripping over our words, we're stumbling, and it's keeping us from fulfilling our potential. And can I just talk to the perfectionist for a minute? Can I just handle you for a second? I'm talking to those of you who are amazingly gifted artistically or creatively. You have this absolutely insane artistic gift. You know what you do every time you design something, every time you create something, is you disparage it, you criticize it, and you ridicule it. And if you keep criticizing your creativity, you know what happens to your creativity? Is it will leave. It wants to be nurtured. It wants to be embraced. It wants to be liked, particularly when it's young. But if you keep criticizing every little thing that you do, listen, this, this would help you. Ready? Can you please stop? Like, seriously, can you please stop categorizing every little thing about yourself into what you love and what you hate? Can you stop doing that? This would save you a lot of wasted time. And can you just love everything about yourself? Can you just embrace everything? If you just did that, I am what I am by the grace of God. Yeah. Yeah. And if I, if I, I like I said, your, your life's future is dependent not only how you see God, but how you see yourself. Um, so, and let yourself love something that you've done. You know, sometimes Belinda asks me, she says, how'd you go? How'd you go at work today? You know what I say to her? Like, you know what? I nailed it today. I was awesome. <laughs> like, I was absolutely. Let yourself love what you do. Beautiful. God, I am what I am by the grace of God. Yeah. Because the idea, the idea came to you because it wanted to come through you and to be made manifest. You are the vehicle that God wants to use. Yeah, very good. And do you either want to. Do you want to be a collaborator with the creator of the universe and to help run about his purposes plan? Or do you want to spend all your time ridiculing your gift? What do you want to do? And when you doubt the product, you insult the manufacturer. Okay, I, I need to, gosh, I've got three minutes left. I've got two more points. Let me find a way out. Ready? Number three is this. Seek wisdom. Seek wisdom. Listen, we live in an age where we are drowning in information but starving for wisdom. We have artificial intelligence but no understanding. David inquired of the priest, said, bring me the ephod. And he asked two questions. Shall I pursue the truth and shall I overtake them? Shall I go and will I win? Most people only ask the first question. Shall I go? But you never ask the second, shall I win? We need to ask, shall I go? Is this the person I should marry? Is this the business I, sh- I-, I should be building? Is it- shall I go and will I win? Uh, seek wisdom, please. Have you ever heard this saying? It's a colloquial saying. It's, it's, it's always out there in the ether, and it's this. You know what? 
everything happens for a reason. <laughs> Don't we love that? It's, it's, it's such an awesome Pinterest kind of uh, picture, right? Everything happens. Like, you know what? Sometimes things happen because you're dumb and you're stupid and you make bad decisions. <laughs> Not everything happens for a reason. Yeah. In fact, can I just speak, if you're a teenager, if you're, if you're a 16-year-old about to make a really big decision, here's what you need to do. And this is what the Bible says, ready? In a multitude of counselors, there's wisdom. Yeah. Find as many people who have been 16 before. <laughs> and go and ask them, if you were in my situation, what would you do? Because, you know what, too, too many young people today think that the best way to learn is through my own mistakes and through my own experiences. And isn't that a nice Pinterest kind of saying? <laughs> but, you know, that's actually the worst yeah. way to learn. Yeah. The best way to learn is through other people's mistakes yeah. and through other people's experiences. Because yeah. then you don't carry the scars or the yeah. trauma yeah. from having to go through that bad experience. Yeah. So seek wisdom, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, Number uh, number four, number four. Let me wrap up with this. Ready? Go from what is wrong to what is strong. Go from what is wrong to what is strong. The wrong is that they've taken David's family, but what is strong is his ability to fight to get them back. David was a warrior. He knew how to fight. He fought lions and bears and Goliath and Philistines. Shift your attention from what is causing you pain to what energizes you and pulls you forward. And once you know what your best qualities are, they open up a pathway uh, to engagement. Um, let, let me illustrate this like this. Um, you know when I was in high school? Because how you find your strengths uh, is a mixture between your abilities and your appetites. Your abilities and your appetites. You know when I was in high school, I was really good at accounting. So what my teacher said to me, he said, oh, you're really good at accounting, you should be an accountant. But you know how there's some things that you're naturally good at, but you don't really love? Yeah. Oh, it comes easy, yeah. but you don't really love it. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't really light you up. But everyone tries to push you in that direction, yeah. but that, that doesn't understand, right? But then there are some things that you love to do, but you're no good at. <laughs> For instance, you might really love to cook. <laughs> but like seriously <laughs> you're really no good that, that's why it should always remain a hobby <laughs> not a career does that make sense Very good. so you, a mixed go from what is wrong uh, to what is strong in Joshua it says this Joshua 1 9 for have I not commanded you be strong and courageous do not be frightened do not be dismayed for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. This is God telling Joshua to go from what is wrong to what is strong. Moses is dead. Well, what, is, what is strong is what I've placed inside you. Can I just finish with this? Can I just get everyone in the room to just raise their hand? Everyone just raise their hand. Awesome. Fantastic. Now do this. Ready? Now, raise it as high as you can. Awesome. Awesome. Hold it there. Hold it there. Okay. All right. Now do this. Now, uh, raise it higher. Okay. All right. Can we see? Do you see what just happened now? I even gave you special instructions. I just said to you, raise your hand as high as you can. Then I said, okay, now raise it higher. And all of you magically, without any extra training, were somehow able to go higher. But that's still not as high as you could have gone. Because not a single one of you just then wanted to stand out. 
Every single one of you just then just chose comfort over courage. And we do it all the time, right? I mean, can you imagine if you actually gave anything, everything you've got? Yeah, so good, mate. Can you imagine if you actually gave your family everything you've got? Can you imagine if you gave your work everything? Can, can you imagine if you gave your gift everything you've got? Can you imagine if you gave your church everything? Can you imagine the kind of results you'd be able to actually get? Listen, I, I can't do this, ready? I can't, but, but I still wish I could, but I actually can't, ready? If I could get a crystal ball, ready? If I get a crystal ball, if I could show each and every one of you a picture of your best self, of what you would actually be capable of achieving if you gave something, anything, everything. If I showed you that, first of all, none of you would believe it. Because what you're capable of is so far beyond anything you can imagine. Really. Second of all, if I showed it to you, I promise you, uh, and if I got you to believe in it, I, I guarantee that every single one of you would cease trying to be somebody else and you would put all your effort into being you. Because can I tell you something honestly and seriously? Like seriously, you are more than enough. So good. Like seriously, you're more than enough. By the grace of God, I have my name. So good. Hey, there's this awesome um, piece of... Um, literature that I found by a guy by the name of David Foster Wallace, and he said this. He said, find something healthy to worship, because here's something that's weird but true. In the day-to-day trenches of adult life, there is actually no such thing as atheism. There is no such thing as not worshipping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. And the compelling reason for maybe choosing some sort of God or spiritual type thing to worship is that pretty much everything else you worship will eat you alive. If you worship money and things, if they were the things you tap real meaning to, then you will never have enough and they'll never make you feel like you have enough. If you worship your body or beauty, you'll always feel ugly. And when time and age start showing, you'll die a million deaths. On one level, we know all this stuff already. It's been codified in myths and proverbs and cliches and parables. The skeleton of every great story. The whole trick is to keep this truth in front of our daily consciousness. But the most important thing is to remember not to worship yourself. Not as easy as it sounds, right? Can I ask you just three quick questions here? Number one is this. I used to ask, do you, um, do you have a relationship with God? But then I found the word relationship means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So I'm going to ask you this question. Ready? Um, is God first in your life? Not a tie first. Not a close second. But is he first in your life? Second question I want to ask is, do you feel connected to God? You used to feel connected, but at some point you lost the connection. You don't really feel his presence anymore. And it's not that he's not there. It's, that you, it's just that you haven't dialed in. And number three is this. Are you living for God every day? Not just on Sundays. Occasionally on Wednesday, 
an, or a Tuesday prayer meeting, but are you living for God? If you can't answer yes to any all those three questions, can I pray for you here this morning? Is that okay? Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. For more life-changing messages, visit us online at c3noosa.org. If you've been blessed by this message, please consider partnering with us financially to see the work of God continue flourishing in and through C3 Church Noosa. God bless.